Welcome to All Good Points. It's your host, Ricky Gray Jr. This week, we're getting right into our props and flops. Who's getting praised and who's getting dropped? Moving on, the Browns actually didn't lose, albeit due to a technicality, but hey, they're headed in the right direction. Also, the return of the gunslinger kind of went the way we all expected. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. Okay, so number one on our props list is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, don't turn off the podcast just yet. I'm not saying that this guy's turning into an elite status quarterback, but he got the job done in an enthusiastic way this week. He went 21 for 28, 417 yards, threw for four touchdowns. Now I know what you're thinking. Let's go over to the waiver wire. Let's pick him up. Let's put him as our starting quarterback. Just pump the brakes because he's not there yet. The issue with Ryan Fitzpatrick is consistency. We've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick throw four touchdowns in one game, but we've also seen Ryan throw six interceptions in one game. Now, there are elite quarterbacks that have done that before. Ben Roethlisberger is one of them, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is not Ben Roethlisberger. So you have to think and put it into perspective of if Ryan can do this again. Can he do this week after week? My answer is no. And I can't harp on the guy too bad because he's in my props list. So we're not going to get too deep into the times that Ryan has messed up. But he is one of the smartest people in the NFL. He did score the highest on the Wonderlick test. Like, he's a very, very intelligent guy. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to create an offense and actually run the offense because once James Winston is done serving his suspension, he's going to walk right back into a starting spot. I don't think that's the best decision by Tampa Bay, but it's the decision that they go with year after year after year. And there's been multiple times that he's been in trouble. Like, like James Winston has been in trouble so many times, and they keep giving him this starting spot. I don't really think that that's a great idea, but at the same time, that's what they do. So you have to put it into perspective of, will Ryan be able to start long enough to actually get this journeyman thing going to where maybe he jumps over to another team and starts for them? I can tell you that Ryan Tannehill is going to run out of time in Miami. But for right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick looked really, really good last week, and he was playing the Saints defense. And the Saints don't have a crappy defense. Their defense is actually pretty solid, save for one guy that can't tackle in the NFC playoff game. But we're not even going to get into that. So Ryan went out there and he did his thing, but he's going to come back next week against the Eagles. Now that's not a Saints defense. That's the Eagles defense. They are going to constantly blitz you. They're going to bring different blitz packages to confuse your offensive line. And I can tell you right now, Tampa Bay will not be able to compete with that, that defense. Like that defense is scary. It's frightening. They're fast. They're out of control and they get the job done. So what I would like to see maybe a little bit more from Ryan is him move out of the pocket a little bit more, deliver the bombs down to Deshaun Jackson, hit, hit Mike Evans because Mike Evans is a really, really big target and he can get those possession yards to where they make first downs and they move the ball down the field. The game that they're going to have against the Eagles is going to be a grind. Now, hopefully he can actually get the job done and do a really good job against the Eagles, even if they don't win, but 
let's just be honest, Tampa Bay isn't going to the Super Bowl this year. Like, I know that, you know that, the American people know that. But hopefully, Ryan is able to kind of show out and show why he should be a starting quarterback. And it's interesting that Denver picked up Case Keenum and didn't really even look into Ryan Fitzpatrick because Case Keenum is another quarterback to where he has some consistency issues. Although I loved him last year. He played really, really well. Got the job done. Got Minnesota all the way through the playoffs up until the NFC Championship game. But that's the way that things go sometimes. Sometimes you're just not the best team on the field. But Ryan has a great team around him as far as defense goes and as far as offensive weapons go. So hopefully he's able to get the job done. I look forward to seeing what he does this week. He's going to be playing the Eagles. That's scary, but I'm going to watch him. That's for sure. Moving on, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know how KC chokes in the playoffs, so you won't hear me call them a contender just yet. But winning 38-28 to against a relatively solid L.A. Chargers team is a good start. And the Chargers have arguably the most angry quarterback in the league. Like, Phillip Rivers is so scary. He looks like he's just going to run his teammates over with a Mack truck, how angry he looks, right? But he got the job done. Patrick Mahomes got the job done. He went out there. He was throwing good passes. He had, uh, what did he do? 15 for 27, 256 yards and four touchdowns. That's that's great. That's a great game from a quarterback that is getting his really his first start this year. So I'm hoping that Kansas City is able to actually continue building this team around Patrick Mahomes. It looks like he really loves throwing to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is a good, good receiver. He's strong. He's fast. He's mobile. And that's what I like about Patrick Mahomes is that he's very, very mobile. What I would like to see is a little bit more action from Kareem Hunt. He had zero pass catches. Now, I don't know if that's the offensive plan. I don't know if that's what they were planning on doing, if they were planning on maybe highlighting their receivers a little bit more. But you've got to get Kareem Hunt the ball because he's your bread and butter. He's the reason why teams don't blitz often because he's coming out of the backfield. He's catching balls. He's running. He's making moves on people. So we've got to get the ball to Kareem Hunt. If the Chiefs want to be good this year, they have to get the ball to Kareem Hunt. But overall, last week, Kansas City, great job. Props to you. Now, moving on to our final and last prop. Like, And this guy just absolutely amazed me this week. Sam Darnold. Here's a little fun fact for you. Only three quarterbacks have thrown a pick six on their first pass as a rookie. Brett Favre, Jameis Winston, and now Sam Darnold. Now, honestly, Sam Darnold is not like Jameis Winston at all whatsoever. I'd say he's a little bit more like Brett Favre if I was comparing between those two particular people. But that stat isn't necessarily what's important. What's important is how Sam went on to dismantle the Lions defense afterwards. Like, he just absolutely ripped that team up. Went 16 for 21, 198 yards, and two touchdowns, finishing with an 82.9 passer rating. To me, though, what was way more impressive was his ability to shift inside of the pocket. The touchdown he threw to Robbie Anderson shows the shiftiness of this guy. He was moving his feet, he never went flat-footed, and he delivered a perfect shot downfield. Now, here we go again with going right to the waiver wire and picking up Sam Darnold. I don't want you to do that, and it's not because of Sam Darnold. It's because of the Jets. Like, can we really trust the Jets to make sure that Sam has every possible opportunity to get the ball downfield? No. They're going into Miami this week. Or actually, Miami's coming into them this week, so they're at home. But at the same time, 
you've got a front line of Miami that's probably going to get a little bit of pressure in there. And hopefully Sam's able to react to it and adapt to it. I think he can, but I just can't trust the Jets to pull up the playbook and actually build plays around Sam to where he can shine. Like that's, And that's really what I want to see from Sham, from Sam. I want to see him shine. I want to see him go out there, throw over 300 yards, throw maybe a couple of touchdowns, maybe put up three touchdowns. But that's all up to the Jets and the way that they plan for Miami. If they aren't planning that set, maybe they're planning on rushing the ball. Maybe if, if they're planning on running the ball, that will open up the passing game. But at the same time, if the running stales out, Sam's going to run into an issue where he has to convert a third down and nine. And if he can't throw a great pass, if he gets picked off, hopefully his confidence doesn't take a huge hit. But as for this week, Sam, you are number one on my props list. I think you did an amazing job. I think you have a long-standing starting job with the Jets. I think they're going to they're gonna build a team around you. Hopefully, if the, organiza- if the organization is smart, they will build a team around Sam Darnold. And that's what I'm hoping from them. Now we're going to move on to our flops. That's honestly a great introduction to our flops list. Starting with Kyle Fuller and the Bears defense. Like a dying star, the Bears D just burnt out by the second half. You, you've got them on the ropes. You have the Green Bay Packers on the ropes, 20 to 0. No thanks to the offense. You know, the the defense couldn't have done that bad without the offense. It's very hard to keep a bull rush going when every time you force a three and out, you've got to go back out and play just after four plays anyways because your offense is going three and out. And it's not like Green Bay has the greatest defense in the world. But the biggest flop isn't even the whole Bears defense. This one is on Kyle Fuller. The ball hits you right in the chest. Like, it couldn't have been more perfect for you to intercept. And yet... You dropped it. But that's what Kyle Fuller is known for, which is so sad because I think he's a good corner. But man, those clutch moments when you really need him to produce for you, get a turnover, do something, stop him, push him, pull him, do something. He can't do it, unfortunately. And that's something that the Bears are going to have to address at some point. Like maybe he'd be better at nickel and maybe they need to draft another cornerback coming out of college, which could be a smart move. And I'm not saying that Kyle Fuller does this all the time, but my point is he has done this before. Moving on to my next flop, Buffalo Bills. Okay, look, we want professional football, right? We, we don't want like, like backyard football where you've got all of the big kids versus kids that's never even seen sunlight before, right? We want football. And the Buffalo Bills didn't even show up to the game. Like, I don't I don't know where they got these guys from. But it looks like they pulled the people out from the crowd and was like, hey, can you play football? And they were like, yeah, I mean, I did a little bit before in Pee Wee. And then they played the Ravens. So getting blown out 47 to 3, you lost by 44 points. Come on. Come on, Buffalo. And just just a quick little frame of reference here. The Buffalo Bills went to the playoffs last year. You think the Buffalo Bills are going to the playoffs this year if they play like that? Absolutely not. Not to mention, their front office, just until like the end of this week, was thinking about starting Nathan Peterman again. Now, how much sense does that make? You've got a great Wyoming quarterback in Josh Allen just sitting on the bench. Peterman went 5 for 18, 
24 yards and two interceptions. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to start him again. That makes absolutely perfect sense. That's what I don't understand about the Bills organization is like sometimes they just can't even make a smart decision. Now they have to go and play the Chargers, which they're going to have angry man Phillip Rivers right across the way from them. And that doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, you know what? Let's go ahead and start Nathan Peterman. I don't think he's going to throw another interception. No, I can guarantee you he will. But they made the smart move and decided to start Josh Allen. Now, don't really get too hung up on the idea that the Bills might win this game because it's not all Josh Allen. Like, the rest of the team is not good. But at the end of the day, you have to start Josh because he's going to give you the best chance to win. So that's why they're on my flop list. Like, they can't make decisions in their front office, and they can't make decisions on the field. Moving on to our last flop, the whole Dallas Cowboys. You played the Panthers. I get it. I'm not too upset with you because they're a a solid team. But Jason Garrett, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. You let go of Des Bryant. You let go of Bryce Butler. Let me tell you what the plan is. Give the ball to Zeke. Both of these teams, the Panthers and the Cowboys, did horrible on third down. But let's focus on the Cowboys' 2-for-11 third down conversions. You can't win a game, you cannot win a game, honestly, in the NFL, by going 2-for-11 on third downs. So, let's just get that out of the way. First down, they ran. Second down, a check down pass to Tavon Austin for a loss of three. Penalty flag makes it second and 21. They say, hey, let's run it again. They get another flag, go back five yards for a false start penalty, and then they run it again. Well, it's punt time. That's your first series. On your, on your first series, you got two dumb penalties. Here's the new plan. Give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott and let him do his thing on all three downs. Let's just test it out. I'm just, please, just, let's just try it, okay? In 2016, the Cowboys had arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. That's not even up for debate. Like, you can't even at me on that. They still have a pretty solid offensive line, but there's a couple of people that are missing, which is okay because the Cowboys did go out and sign Suofilo from uh, Houston, um, and he's actually a pretty solid, pretty solid uh, offensive lineman. So hopefully they're able to work their kinks out, get some protection, run the ball a little bit better, but man... Cowboys, I am just really disappointed in you this week, and I hope you don't end up on the props list next week. Now, moving on, we're about to talk about the Browns. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. The Browns did not lose. Due to a technicality, the Browns actually broke their losing streak. Not to take any of the significance away from the Browns' tie, but the Steelers played really crappy, and they do play really crappy usually against the Browns anyways. Feel free to fact check me on that. Last year, the Steelers beat them by 3 in Week 1 and by 4 in Week 17. I might be crazy, but I don't really hate the Browns' roster. It's really full of talent. They've got an actual quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, not Colt McCoy or Johnny Manziel, Carlos Hyde as a solid running back with Duke Johnson Jr. and Nick Chubb as a backup, Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry. I don't need to say anything else. The defense highlights Denzel Ward and TJ Curry at corner, but don't forget about Bodie Calhoun playing nickel. Like, Miles Garrett is on the front line, and then they got Jabril Peppers in the back. That team doesn't really even sound bad. So, where's the problem? 
Maybe it was that Tyrod was pressured on half his dropbacks and how he's the number one in rushing yards for his team, which shows he's getting pushed out of the pocket too often. But at the same time, the Browns look like they're playing together as a team, which let's be honest, that that's what we all want. We want to see the Browns play together as a team. Even if you're a fan of Miami or you're like me, a fan of Minnesota or you're a Green Bay Packer fan or a Chicago Bears fan, we kind of all want to see the Browns win. We don't want to see them lose. Like we're kind of getting tired of them losing. So it's interesting to see that this team is kind of working a little bit better cohesively. And I'm excited for what they get to bring to the NFL because if they're able to actually work their way and weasel their way into where they're actually kind of competitive and they can beat teams like the Steelers and other teams in the AFC like the Broncos, it'll be great to see. I'm not going to, I won't be upset about that because I actually like the way that they play together and it seems like they're playing as a team. Now, unfortunately, they're going to play a pissed off Saints team and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm kind of hoping that Drew Brees just doesn't light them up and decimate whatever enthusiasm they have. But Drew is known to do that. So hopefully when the Browns get their playbook together, hopefully they're able to run a couple of good plays make some good passes downfield, get the running game going, because that's the way that you beat the Saints. You beat them down with the run, and that's the way that you win the game. Their defense on the front line isn't really that fantastic, so I'm hoping that Carlos Hyde will be able to break a couple of good runs off, and if not, maybe they could turn it to throwing the ball out of the backfield to Duke Johnson Jr. If they get on the goal line, maybe they give it to Nick Chubb so he can get some work in. That's what I want to see from the Browns. I don't want to see this losing team. Now, I know everybody's kind of crossing their fingers and hoping for Baker Mayfield to get in the game and actually play starting quarterback, but can you really sit there and tell me that you think Baker Mayfield is a better starting quarterback than Tyrod Taylor? If you do, I think you need to do a little bit of introspection about Baker. So it'd be his first, they'd be throwing him into the lion's den if they said, look, you're going to start. We don't like Tyrod anymore. And yeah, he did great in preseason, but that's preseason. That's not live. That's not against a first team defense. Baker Mayfield is not Sam Darnold. There's a couple of quarterbacks that got drafted out of college this year that I don't think are necessarily ready to start for their teams. Another one is Lamar Jackson. I've seen Lamar Jackson play before when he was playing in in Louisville, and I didn't really see starting NFL quarterback there. Not yet, anyways. But as far as the Browns go, they have Baker Mayfield just in the back pocket, and I think the organization wants to pull out the back pocket card and be like, ha, we have Baker Mayfield. But I don't think Baker Mayfield can hold up to the the ability to read defenses like Tyrod Taylor can. Now, if Taylor gets hurt and he goes out, Baker's going to have to come in and make some really good reads really fast. And the play speed from college to NFL is a huge jump. And I don't think Baker is necessarily ready for that. I do think, however, that Tyrod has a lot of respect from people like Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon. And I think he has a better command of the offense. I think the offensive line wants to block for him. I think he can audible plays at the line, which is what's huge in this league. Being able to completely flip whatever play you are going to run, switch it to something else, at least pick up a couple of yards out of it. And that's 
that's the main goal is getting a couple of yards. If if it's first down and you have a run, every single coach will tell you they want six yards or more on their first run. And if they get three yards, they might run it again on second down. Just to break it to where if it's a third down, it'll be a third down and four or a third down and five because that opens up the whole playbook. You could run short slants. You could throw a deep route. And what I'm seeing from the Browns is that they're kind of working that into their system. They're working in these runs and these short passes, these kind of like gimmick plays to where they get one person open. I'd like to see some more rollouts from them because Tyrod is so mobile as a quarterback. I don't necessarily want to see him run all the time, but I would like to see him roll out of the pocket and throw a pass downfield. That's kind of what I want to see from them. And hopefully they can get that done against the Saints. It's a tough team to play against because you do have Marshawn Lattimore on one side, but at the same time, that's just one corner. You still have the rest of the field to expose if you get the chance to. So my question to the Browns, my number one question to the Browns is, can you win a game this season? You guys can email me this. You can pick which game you think they're going to win. Just email me at allgoodpointspodcast.com and let me know. So, Last but not least, it is time to move on to the gunslinger, Aaron Rodgers, in his first game back from missing most of last year, and I will tell you this guy did it in spectacular fashion. So let's move on. The return of the gunslinger. Aaron Rodgers came back in an all-familiar fashion. Every Packers fan in the building gasped when he fell on the ground and he was writhing in pain because his knee got just absolutely mangled. And I hate to see the image of what that looks like, but even me as a Minnesota Viking, I was worried for him. But this guy comes out of the locker room pissed off, right? He looks up at the scoreboard. His team is down by 20. Mike McCarthy doesn't know what to do. At this point, you kind of have one option, either lose the game or risk sending Aaron back in and winning the game. You kind of know that you're going to win the game once you put Aaron back in there. That's kind of what you're thinking. So Aaron, I think, makes the decision to go back in and get it started again. So he goes back and he turns the Bears' first half defense into a practice squad, like just dismantling an entire defense. Although Kyle Fuller had one chance to end the game, and we talked about Kyle Fuller on our flaps list, so I won't get into that. But he did have a chance to end the game. At the same time, though, Aaron Rodgers does what Aaron Rodgers does. Mike Zimmer was quoted this week as saying he walks on water, so he's probably going to start. That's that's the respect that this guy commands in the league because of what he can do. Threw for three touchdowns, almost had 300 yards. Now everyone has to ask the question, is there anything Aaron Rodgers can't do? Honestly, just think about it for a second. How many championships would Rodgers have if he wasn't playing on a team that he always has to carry? Just imagine for a second the Packers had a defense. I know, it's insane. But at the end of the day, Rodgers has to carry them until they're able to figure out this defense issue. And hopefully they figure it out before Rodgers retires because I don't know if he's getting towards the end of his career, but he's been getting hurt a lot, so maybe that's a signal to him that it's time to get out. But that's neither here nor there because we're talking about him coming back from a crazy injury last year that Anthony Barr gave to him. So... 
Him coming back was huge, and I know he wanted to finish this game off in style, and that's exactly what he did. He went out there, and he just absolutely obliterated the Bears. The Bears were only able to put up three points for the rest of the game. That's on Mitchell Trubisky. That's on the Bears' offense. And more importantly, a 20-point lead that gets blown, that's on the Bears' defense. And they were already on our flops list, so we won't harp on them too bad. But Aaron is doing what Aaron does. Now, you could have a list and say that maybe Tom Brady is number one and Aaron Rodgers is number two. I'm a, I'm a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan. I have to switch that around to where Aaron Rodgers is number one and Tom Brady is number two. The only reason I'm saying that is because Tom Brady is Tom Brady because the Patriots have built an organization around Tom Brady. The Green Bay Packers are not an organization that's built around Aaron Rodgers, right? The team, and I put that in quotations, the team is built around Aaron Rodgers, but who does he really have helping him? Honestly, is that defense a defense that you could say is helping him? They draft Jair Alexander and throw him right into a starting spot. How does that make any sense? This is a rookie that hasn't dealt with NFL wide receivers ever. And you're saying, you know what? Go start. That's not fair because essentially what's going to happen is he's going to get beat very often, which he did. So the Bears were able to actually move the ball down the field and get up 20 points. So what the Packers have to do is work on that defense because when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you have to make sure he has every possibility available to him to win the game. And he's going to do it anyways. That's that's the beauty of it is because even though they don't help him, he's still able to win games and win them in spectacular fashion. This was just as good as one of his Hail Marys. Like, that's the amazing thing about Aaron Rodgers. So you put everything into perspective. You've got Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North, obviously the best quarterback in the NFC North. And I know that Minnesota has Kirk Cousins. I know Detroit has Matthew Stafford. But look, everybody, even in the division, knows that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFC, let alone the NFL. So that's it's interesting the way that it's going to go down because he's listed as questionable for this week, but everybody thinks he's going to play anyways, which even me, myself, I actually think that he's going to play. I'm excited for the game against Green Bay, and the reason that I am is because if Aaron Rodgers is back and Minnesota does win, then it'll be kind of a clear-cut sign that Minnesota has probably the most solid overall team in the NFC North, and hopefully they can move that on to be the most solid team in the NFC period. But as for the return of the gunslinger, I can't be more excited. Even watching that game, being a division rival, I was watching that game thinking to myself, God, this is a really good game. And I hope to see some more from him like that, but I really want him to stay healthy because that creates a great competition inside of the NFC. Because as long as Aaron is around, everyone in that conference has to understand that the Packers are one of the teams to beat. Regardless of how bad that defense is, regardless of how often they cannot run the ball, they still have Aaron Rodgers. It's the same way they think of Tom Brady. If Tom Brady is in the AFC, there's a good chance that your team is not winning the AFC. That's just, it's a fact. It's not, it's, it's not a thought or a philosophical kind of idea. It's a fact. He's probably going to be able to beat you. There's been a couple of teams that have beat the Patriots, but most of the time they've been from the NFC, like the Giants or the Eagles. The Falcons had a chance to. They blew a 28-3 lead. We won't even get into that. But at the same time, 
we're looking at Aaron Rodgers and we're thinking to ourselves, what all can this guy do? And my answer to that is this guy can do everything. Okay, that's it. That's the final point. These have been all good points. You guys are amazing. The next time you are in a debate with anyone, make sure you use all good points. I'm Ricky Gray Jr. Thanks for listening. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.